Welcome to Inside Scoop, a podcast that brings you practical servings of Swami's sweetest teachings. Joining me today is a superstar and national hero, Dr. Satya Rao. Brother Satya needs no introduction, having won the hearts of many while serving as a successful family medicine specialist, the Zone 4 medical director and young adult advisor. Hi Anne, thank you for being here. Hi Neera Saira. As you know, Inside Scoop's number one goal is to emphasize honesty, simplicity and lightheartedness in our spiritual journey. because that was swami's priority too right so please feel free to be your authentic self as we chat today okay today's discussion is something i personally grapple with and it revolves around the fact that as young adults today we live in a society where personal branding and advertising our achievements plays a key role in advancing our career but whether it's trying to advertise myself on linkedin or at networking events i find this an extremely uncomfortable task and when i analyzed why i may be experiencing experiencing this i pinned it down to some of the values that i may have cultivated as an ssc student and that was that being too passionate or assertive is a rajasic quality that i need to control whilst being humble and gentle those are the sattvic traits that will lead me to enlightenment but i feel i must have misinterpreted this understanding of being sattvic because swami wouldn't have asked us to do something that didn't serve our best interest right so i want to start by asking you what does it truly mean to be a sattvic being okay um i'd say that the literal meaning of sattvic is pure Right. and breaking this sattvic being word right being is a soul that is you know covered by the body mind and intellect right so a sattvic being literally means a person who is striving towards mm. the unity of thought words and deeds which is you know every aspect of the body mind and intellect so that's why like swami always says right unity purity and divinity and you know all that things together will bring about the meaning of sattvic being so that's that's like the theory behind it lies most right so let's unpack this purity a little does being pure mean that i can't negotiate a salary increment have disagreements with my superiors or even tell my national young adult coordinator that he has too many meetings <laughs> Is that is that what it means to be pure at all times? Not really. I suppose that uh, I can only speak about myself because I think um, all these things happen at day to day life, right? Because yeah. we work, we face our friends, we you know have a real life outside there, right? We are not living in an ideal environment in a in or in a very you know. Um, of course during covid times we are all working from home but you know there's just so many things that's coming through you know either through the social media or the stress of work or where the boss is you know asking you work at night till late night but yeah. i can say about myself i think for me it's easy 
because the the career that i'm doing the job mm. like you know it easy being a doctor and you know practicing sattvic qualities because you're always thinking for the betterment of our patients and the environment and all that but yeah. i also wear another hat mira mm. i'm also the head of department in my uh, clinic that right. means you know i'm always faced with um a, a situation where i need to fight for things like right. you know we are a government funded clinic you know uh, on a daily basis we have about 1600 to 2000 patients and i have 160 staff with almost 40 doctors and three specialists under me so there's a lot of worldly things that's happening and i have to say that if we do not put in what's required then definitely we will not be able to manage something this mm-hmm. is where swami says right the heart of buddha is what we all have to develop so that the thought process will always be the you know the basically the mind and the intellect so the head of shankara swami says so like shankara we need to think of the best ways of maneuvering around it which right. means we will need to be rajasic at times to actually do some things but with a very um underlying quality of heart of buddha and mm. that also means the hand of janaka right doing and doing and doing like you know janaka king janaka has been the one who always gives and serves at all times right. so yes, we will still need to maneuver around things we will need to we need to still do things that's required for the worldly life but right. just making sure that the heart remains buddha at all times that's, that's- how i see it that's very helpful and so that means even if i'm if having to advertise my skills on linkedin for example that's not a non satvic thing right not at all i think because see, as we all know how linkedin works right linkedin is a place where everyone is trying to see who is the one that we need for our uh, like if i'm an employer you know that's a good place to go and see you know who is doing what but yeah. honestly i feel it's only adharmic or non satvic when what you are putting on linkedin is not truthful right, right? when you are practicing truth and just putting what you have done with a greater intention of just getting what you need because right. everyone has aspiration to either have a certain job or you know to uh, to actually make certain amount of money because there is requirement right the worldly requirement that is that is there so hence i feel that's really not wrong in publicizing on what we have done but the intention should not be to boast mm. the intention should not be to lie it should be purely truthful and if someone requires the skill that you put up in that linkedin then why not that's how i see it Right. Okay. So essentially it boils down to our intentions. And I'm so glad you raised the point about our aspirations because we all have certain aspirations, right, for a job, etc. But when it comes to having these um desires or aspirations, does this purity mean that it's wrong to want to become the highest paid engineer or to buy an expensive car that serves the same purpose as a cheaper alternative but you know i really want that bmw is that unsatvic i really think it depends on what is 
um, the whole desire about. So this is where it comes to need versus wants. Right. Right. And 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 same like you know desire versus affordability. Right. Right. So if a person desires something, but they are not able to afford for it and still goes for it, it's going to put us in a lot of uh, worldly stress to get the money, to pay the installments, blah blah blah, all that things. But if it is something that you can afford and you need it, then why not? I don't see the requirement. Uh, why why we can't have that? And also, I suppose even when we desire it and we afford it, like what is the need of it or what is the want of it? Then you know, dedicating it to Swami. You know, like I, I remember I, you, you said about BMW, and I was laughing because um, my one of my friends always makes fun that um, I used to drive a BMW, and you know, it when I remember when it, it is definitely I think one of my wasanas because <laughs> that was something that I always wanted as a child, and I used to only look at you know these cars and like wanting it, and when when the affordability to own one comes in your path. Mm-hmm. And when when we speak to Swami and see what is it that that I want out of it, and who is the one the owner? I remember the number plate that I took was S F Satyasai. You know, really, Swami is the owner of the car, and that's that's how I look at it. And you know, the the seat that is next to the driver's seat, I never put anything on it. You know, mm-hmm. this age and time where you know all of us are wearing masks. You know, I mean, at least majority of the countries are still. You know, mask is uh, uh, a need for everyone, right? So I mean, it's so easy to just open the mask and throw it in the next seat. But for me, the next seat when no one is in the car, it's Swami's seat. It's a conversation mm-hmm. that I have with Swami. That's my driving time. My you know chanting time my bhajan singing time for swami so you know it really boils down to the basic desire affordability dedication and if that tool is going to help you with constant integrated awareness i suppose if that's your vasana that's your vasana that's beautiful brother it's almost as if that desire is purified by you offering it to swami and constantly incorporating swami in the way that you use that desire that bmw right and in doing so what some may say is merely an act of greed has sort of been sanctified into an act of worship that's a great way to transform our little guilty pleasures into maybe a deeply spiritual practice right definitely but is it enough to do this I mean if we're serious about spiritual growth don't we at some point need to place a ceiling on our desires I I totally agree Swami has said one of the nine point codes of conduct is ceiling on desire sister and we do know that Swami has clearly said right there needs to be a ceiling for all the four things that he's mentioned food money time energy and all of it has to have a ceiling So we do know, right? Like maybe between us, right, sister? Like if we are served the same amount of food, we might the amount my ceiling of that food requirement for my life for my job will be very different from your life and your job. And a manual worker compared to a person who sits in an aircon room and does the work will require two different ceilings of requirement of food. Similarly for money. 
the person who probably does more service and spends more things for good things will require more of that compared to the other person and same goes to time and energy and all that thing so i think at end of the day who decides where the ceiling is it's a decision between swami and you and that's how it goes because i think in spirituality there's only two which is he and me and that's how i think we need to maneuver through this and decide where it stops and where it becomes you know unworthy of practicing the ceiling of desire so i think um that's that's how i would tie down and where we decide the ceiling on desire be but brother now i'm curious to know how does this play out in reality you know when you say the ceiling is between you and swami not um not all of us are at a stage where swami gives us answers instantly so how do we know where that ceiling is and how does it play out in your life in my life it has always been how i connect myself with swami and whenever i would want want something or do something i always do a a self audit at end of the day and yeah. see how it has gone and how whether like you know it's a constant learning i, I won't say that i have answer for this question sister mm. honestly it is um, something that i i strive towards knowing it instantly but but swami being swami life is a game right he he really <laughs> makes me play the game and what i always tell swami you know swami if i am the winner then only you are a winner so swami please make me the winner <laughs> so, like you know, and and you know that like it becomes fun life becomes fun and experiencing success or even failure is always almost always the same for me and and that's how i feel like you know i go and strive towards it and eventually get the answer sometimes i get it immediately because you know the answer comes immediately with no it's so pure and so clear but sometimes it's so clogged maybe the mind the you know something that's blocking the whole thing but i will say that it's a constant strive and constant practice and constantly auditing to see whether we are getting there so that's how i i practice it. right okay so let's just say we have put a ceiling on our desires because that's important obviously right but again it's between us and swami what that ceiling is but so we've put the ceiling on desires but then we have this inner conflict because um success is measured by society through like professional achievements academic qualifications stable family life having amazing cars huge houses So when we put this ceiling does that mean that we won't be successful in the eyes of society I see this way sister mm-hmm. for me really um I, let me give you an example sure <laughs> I mean when I was young I have never been academically inclined would no. you believe that sister No 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 you're <laughs> lying <Never. laughs> Satya no, is not being satyam right now <laughs> <laughs> but satya this satya used to be a person who doesn't know how to say a b c d um What? even when he was 7 8 years old and when i mastered a b c d much later at 10 years old i didn't know how to do times table at 11 years old i was still striving to do divisions and that's how uninterested i was in the academic line and mind you your sister my father is a teacher 
and and you know i come from families who have so many lecturers and what i was inclined was very spiritual since young you know i was able to chant vedam since i was 9 years old i just need to hear it i can repeat it i never need to look at a text and you know i went to balvikas early in life so you know doing the mantras and remembering stories and you know giving i mean st- storytelling and all that things and you know mom used to read swami's uh, amar chitra chinnakatha uh, swami's chinnakatha to me like every night one chinnakatha and i remember every chinnakathas that you know amma used to teach me and that's how my growth was but i realized when i was 10 11 years old that you know everyone my one day my teacher put me out of the class you know and she was like you didn't know how to answer the times table so you need to stand out of the class and for me right out of the class and i was practicing bhajan because it was i think close to thursday every thursday we used to have house bhajan i was practicing bhajan and then when i looked into the class i had this thought process why don't i try doing this try learning proper ways of reading and doing this times table and you know it it doesn't matter for me whether it is uh, required for me obviously i didn't feel the need for it but the world needed it right. so i decided let's go for it and that's also precisely the time that my balvikas guru was doing teaching us the gayatri mantra and he taught us that gayatri mantra is chanted 108 times daily Wow. And you know sister I remember every day I used to chant Gayatri mantra 108 times every day as a kid and in less than one and a half years not only from a backward class I came to the front class but I became the top of my class uh Amazing. top of the form I would say which means in the entire um form 1 which is like you know 13th uh, the 7th standard I was 13 years old I immediately became number one. That also means my whole city, which only has one high school, I was the topper, and that continued till I I finished high school. And when I went to college, I was like the highest scoring. When I went to university, I was a merit student. And I was honest, and you know that's how I think it it all unfolded. Because it's not just about what we want to do. Practicing a satvic life. I just realized everything else just unfolds whether it is you know the time the money the riches everything just comes so easily and and satvik will definitely attract all the others because everything that is around the world is energy that's how i see it and this energy of food energy of money energy of time and riches will all come to us and it will make us very successful not because you intend to have it because they rush to you that's what swami's anugraha and blessings is all about practice it and live the life and everything that you want will come to you you don't need to strive for it that's so beautiful brother and it just your life is like a living proof of the power of these satvic habits and spiritual practices i mean for someone who didn't I'm know that towards it i won't say that it's perfect but you know really it's a day to day practice and day to day trying 
Amazing. For someone who didn't know their ABCs and times table <laughs> is now a doctor, head of a medical clinic. I mean, that's the power of striving to live a satric life. It just attracts abundance right from every corner. But Swami says and this really had, you know, confused me. He said Ravana and Hiranyakashipu, they were masters of the material world. and they had tremendous powers because they actually were very um disciplined they did their sadhanas very regularly consistently but they directed it al- along the rajasic path if only they had satvic intentions instead of rajasic intentions they would have attained peace and self realization that's what swami says so is someone who is ambitious and driven would swami categorizes as ravanas or hiranyakashipus but at the same time <laughs> don't we need the passion of this rajasic guna to help us accomplish our goals right so how do we strike this balance between the tamasic guna the rajasic guna and the satvic guna i think to answer this question let me mention that rajasic guna and tamasic guna are not really um negative immediately i don't think we as humans should just say that oh i only want to be satvic right rajasic energy is very needed rajasic is passion mm. dynamism you know it's drive and you know everything that is requiring us to move requires the tama- rajasic energy and when we do so much of activity right we will be tired we will be drained a little bit hence then we also need a bit of tamas where there is restfulness but we have to remember when these two you can look at it at two different uh, opposites right one is the rajas opposite one is the tamas opposite so when the tamasic energy is so much you will go into laziness and dullness and pushes you to fear darkness and ignorance on one side and when you go so much towards the rajas it will be great success so much like like swami mentioned right you know um ravana and hiranyakashipu <laughs> so much success that they will get in life but it might drive you towards self centeredness and boasting and egoism and all that things that is why we must always be at equilibrium and that is also why swami always says on in a day there's three time zones when we wake up in the morning 4 to 8 o'clock swami says is a satvic time where we in tune with ourselves where this is the best time that we wake up and immediately after waking up sit for a few minutes for contemplation and meditation and concentration and all that things that gives the boost of the energy for the day and then from 8 am up to 4 pm is a rajasic time and this rajasic time is where everything blooms right and you are at the maximum part of your energy and this is also the time that you do work you accomplish things that you need to do you know worldly life everything happens at this point of time right. and then again at 4 pm to 8 pm where the sun is setting again it's satvic time right where you will again introspect and you will do prayer and you know you calm the rajasic energy and then you go into restful 
tamasik. So this equilibrium, which is the satvic energy, must always be there. Some people to remind themselves of this equilibrium, they will put timer. You know, every one hour once or two hours once, just to make sure if you are too rajasik, you bring down the energy to a little bit lower. So you don't get so drained by evening that you are going into tamasik immediately without enjoying the equilibrium of satvik in between. So this equilibrium is like the example I said earlier, heart of Buddha. So this equilibrium is where there is calmness, where even when you go so much to one tangent, where there's so much of rajasic energy, the hand of Janaka is like the rajasic energy, and it actually brings you and reminds you of the heart of Buddha. There's calmness even in the rajas. When you know, like for me, when when I'm in a meeting and I'm you know handling the meeting, there's so much of. Debated arguments about you know these uh, allocations and stuff and this and that, right? I always calm down with a nice deep breath of soham, and that really brings my rajasic energy to a perfect thought process. And sometimes even great ideas and the intellect is just you know immediately you know um, enriched to actually give the best solution in that situation. So if we are in tune. With the equilibrium, when you are in rajas energy, also there is great success because Beautiful. it will unfold. And even when you are in tamas, the rest will become great restfulness. So that when you wake up in the morning, you are charged. And I think that's the that's the best way I can think of answering this question, Nira. So lovely, brother. As you were speaking. I I sort of visualized the satvik guna to be like this steady tambura that is resonating in the background, whilst a classical singer is, you know, dynamically changing her tune or her rhythm. Would that be the right way to look at the balance of these three gunas? Definitely, yeah. and that and also the the omkaram that's at the back. The silent omkaram that's going on in the universe at all times, you know, and that is that energy that we all have to learn to tap in, so that we are charged with energy at all times, because he is the source, right? And tapping it from the source, nothing else, you know, the 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 un like you know the the infinite energy is there for us. We just need to be a vessel. To collect it so beautifully, and hence we need to keep this body, mind, and intellect satvik, so that the energy will flow into us and through us beautifully. And a nice example that you gave earlier. Thank you so much, brother, for your honest insights into the three gunas. Dear listeners, it's now time for some prasadam pills. One, next time guilt creeps in. For wanting that car or that piece of jewelry, if within our means, seize this opportunity to spiritualize that desire by using it with him and for him. Two, leading a satvic life and achieving material success aren't mutually exclusive. When we purify our life and energy with these satvic practices, we vibrate at a frequency that attracts abundance. 
and many people in the organization are living proof that when prayer becomes a habit, life becomes a miracle. Three, all three gunas have a role to play at different times of the day. To live a sattvic life is to maintain that calmness and compassion in our hearts, even as we passionately post on LinkedIn and fulfill all our goals in this game of life. Next on Insights Group, we explore empathy, equanimity, and the Russian war. Until next Friday, happy scooping!